What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you find work in any industry with just one interview at Express. You have a connection to endless jobs, whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job. Choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit expresspros.com today to find a location near you. Get ready to simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Plus, with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices, you can keep everyone entertained while on the road work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience for yourself and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicles and operation compatible device and vehicle require. Summer is almost here and I'm so excited to go on vacation with my kids next month. We love going anywhere warm with the beach. I always make packing harder than it needs to be, but this year I'm doing all of my summer shopping at Macy's. I can find everything I need from bathing suits, sandals, summer dresses, shorts, even towels and sunscreen at Macy's. Whether you're packing for a destination vacation or planning a backyard staycation, Macy's has what you need. You can shop top brands like Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Wind Down with Jana Kramer, an iHeartRadio podcast. This week's Thursday Therapy, we have Karina Kilcoyne. So she is a former trial lawyer who specialized in criminal defense, uh, including uh, complex white collar and civil litigation. But now she passionately shares her own personal story of trauma and healing. She's got a book out called Rise Above the Story, Free Yourself from Past Trauma and Create the Life You Want. Let's get her on. Hi, everybody. Hey, Karina. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Great. We're excited to have you on. We were uh, reading your bio before you came on. I was like, ooh, ooh. I'm like, man, there's just like heavy, heavy, heavy. And then obviously your book, I love what you're doing now using your past trauma to now create the life that you want. And you're, you know, you wrote this book. And um, so what, we'll just start with, can you fill in our audience kind of the cliff notes of your upbringing? Because- it's, it's a lot. It's heavy. Yeah, it is. So um, when I was about 12, my father got sentenced to the federal penitentiary. And he left behind um, me and my two younger siblings and my mother, who suffered some, from some mental health issues, including depression, anxiety, and manic episodes. And she didn't handle the stress and the pressure very well of, you know, being left with the kids and the responsibility. So she and I shifted roles and I started Mm -hmm. caring for her. And we lived in a a poverty stricken situation after my father was gone. And I really um, had to do a lot to survive. And that included, you know, scrounging up change to buy food and asking strangers for money to help buy food and pay bills. And we would go without hot water and electricity. And I was, you know, hell bent on escape, right? To get away from where I was. And when I was 24, I graduated law school. Also, um, at that same age, my mother died of cancer. And by then she had had my last brother and he was only nine at the time. So I adopted him and went on to raise him. What kind of cancer did your mom have? Cervical. Cervical. Were you guys 
by that time, what was y'all's relationship like? It wasn't, it wasn't healed or repaired in any stretch of the imagination. And I was really the one left to take care of her. So even on, you know, her deathbed, it was me caring for her. And we had, you know, hospice come in, but she passed away in my childhood bed. And there was a lot of unresolved issues, especially on my end, um, that she wasn't really willing to talk about even then. And it took me a long time, you know, decades after she left for me to really find forgiveness for her. Well, you know, we talk a lot on our, our, this podcast about our parents and we're all in our forties. Well, almost, sorry, Kat, you got one month. So I'm just going to say we're all in our forties. And it's, it's one thing where it's, we've had challenging times, especially with our moms, um, where we want them to kind of see us and understand, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's almost like they don't, they didn't do the work maybe that, or that we've done. So it's hard for us to see and be on the same page. So how do you go, okay, I didn't get to say these things to my mom, but I'm going to do differently. Like, do you have kids? You have a fur baby. I have a fur baby. I have the brother that I raised and uh, my husband has children. So I've been, I've known him a long time and I've been involved in raising them. So I understand that, you know, the mother component and, and I will tell you that I think some of this, you know, is generational. Right. I think some, you know, at some point, you know, my mother, you know, she was in this generation where you didn't process and you didn't talk about, and there was a lot of shame about things. So I don't think that they knew then what we know now. And I don't think that they were as in tune to mental health and healing. Um, So I think that's one, that's one thing. And I would also say that my forgiveness for my mother came with age and perspective, but it also came when I found compassion for her. And I understood her story. So, you know, I write a lot in the book about this idea of um, multi-generational transfer of trauma, right? And so when I understood my mother's story, that my mother was never mothered, my mother's mother abandoned her when she was a baby. She didn't know her mother and her father was an alcoholic and she was raised until she was 12 by her grandmother who spoke no English. So my mother had her own story and Mm -hmm. she didn't rise above it. So for me to find forgiveness for her, it took me finding compassion and empathy for her and understanding that she too had a story. And so for me, you know, where does it stop? Well, I decided to stop this multi-generational transfer trauma because, you know, when I understand where I came from and I understand those my people's stories, you know, I choose differently. I choose self-awareness. I choose self-compassion. I choose you know, reasoning and judgment and understanding what I had been through on one hand, right? As, as these are the facts of what I've been through, but then also giving myself some compassion for how I handled it, right? And lifting myself up out of the shame of, you know, what I did wasn't shameful as a child, asking people for money for a long time. I thought that was so shameful, right? And now I have this compassion for myself. And, and that's what really what I try to to teach and be an example of to the children that I've been blessed to mother. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you kind of default back into that, like survival? I mean, when you're raised with that kind of setting, the resilience level that you have is like astronomical. And so we, I would, I share some parts of your story a little bit, not nearly to the degree. Um, 
but I wasn't able to say my, my dad and I never had the reckoning before he passed away. I don't think that he would ever be able to on this side hear Mm -hmm. what I have to say truly. Um, But I wonder, do you find yourself, I know the hard rewiring, like that deep detangling of how you handle and like at rest, do you still feel that like in survival flight or fight? Or do you feel like you've kind of gotten that settled into like a piece of, is there a sense of calmness now? Or do you default back to that? I definitely feel a sense of calmness now, but it took me a long time. It took me years and years of healing and a and I call it a journey of healing because that's exactly what it was. You know, it was like uh, two steps forward and one step back or one step forward and two steps back because of what you're talking about, right? When you're a child of trauma in that way, and there's actually um, a, a really powerful quote in one of the books that I cite in my book, Rise Above the Story, it's a Bruce Perry quote. And he says that children who are raised in these situations are, quote, incubated in terror, Mm. Right. So it's like your brain, when you're that young, doesn't understand what's happening. Your full brain doesn't develop till you're in your 20s, right? Your mid 20s. And and I talk a lot about the science of healing in my book. And I distill a lot of this complex brain science into one chapter in the book because it was for me where I shifted into healing is when I understood how my brain worked. So to your question about, you know, what do I do and what is my default? My default is um, now. It is not fight or flight forever, for a long time, for my whole life before this healing, it was for sure the default. I I even write about that in the book and I called it chicken little mode, where I would go around thinking that everything was bad, something bad was going to happen, the sky was going to fall, everything was not good. And it took me a long time to get out of that mode. And that's all about resetting and understanding and developing the self-awareness of what your brain is doing. But also for me, it was like an entire physical, spiritual, mental healing. And that's, you know, all the things that I include in the book, which are, you know, all the practices I tried and the meditations I did and the journaling I did and the different modalities of therapy I tried. Right. So it has been a long road, but I want people to know this who are listening, like it is possible to reset your default setting. It absolutely is. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals and that's exactly what you'll get. 
Express Employment Professionals is the local jobs expert you can trust, and they never charge a fee to help with your job search. Go to expresspros.com to find the office near you or download the Express Jobs app to get started. With a wide range of opportunities in a variety of industries, from welding to sales, forklift operator to customer service, the team at Express is ready to help you or someone you know take the next career step. Whether you're looking for a contract job for the summer or a new full-time role, turn to Express Employment. Interviewing with Express Employment professionals can be as easy as a phone call, and one application with Express puts you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Don't go in your job search alone. Visit ExpressPros.com today. Get ready to simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Plus, with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices, you can keep everyone entertained while on the road. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience for yourself and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicles and operation compatible device and vehicle require. So have you ever heard of Saraset? No. I okay. Haven't. So I'm, I'm doing it next week. So I've had some past PTSD stuff where it keeps coming up in therapy, right? Or my response goes to the, the fight or flight. Mm-hmm. My therapist, you know, we've done the EMDR. We've done all the things. And she's like, I really want you to try Saraset. So I'm, I'm starting, it was supposed to be when the whole winter snowstorm mm-hmm. thing happened, but I had to reschedule to, to the following week. So basically what it is, is you go there and it's all about resetting your nervous system, right? And your brain. So it's like your brain can't change unless your brain sees itself. So it's, you go there, it's every day for four days. And then you go back, I think it's like two weeks after that, but you listen to these like waves and they, they put these things on your head essentially. And then your brain sees what the brain kind of needs to change. And it, mm. it's this whole like science for changing your brain and, and helping, you know, anxiety or depression or those mm-hmm. things that where there's a blockage in your, in, in your brain. It's like, you can't change the brain unless your brain sees what's the problem. Interesting. So Interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'll, I'm at this point, I'll do anything. You know what I mean? I'm like, like lock me up and something. And I, and I'm me too. And I, and thank you for telling me because I do love to go and try, and try all these things. It's just, sorry, uses brain initiated sound to relax the brain and allow it to reset, restore harmony and free the mind from a freeze or fight or flight state. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of, kind of taking like old, like old school, like sound therapy, right. And all mm-hmm. this stuff and like applying it in a different way, which is what I was, which was what my point was going to be is that I love that there's this evolution, right. Of trauma therapy that comes mm-hmm. from some of these old, you know, merited, you know, old school kind of modalities. And then they just kind of keep adding on and building on and, and trying them. And, and that's one of the things that I really talk about in the book. And I really believe in is, having the the courage to try things. I feel like healing is kind of like a dim sum menu, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to just be traditional therapy. It can be a traditional therapy for sure has value, but it's also other can be other things. And I just think that, that, you know, having the courage to sometimes try those other modalities can be really helpful. Well, I was going to ask, so now that you say that you're essentially in a healed spot, do you still deal with the trauma 
you know, in therapy? Or do you feel like you're kind of past dealing with that trauma? Like you've kind of gotten past it? Or is that something that you think that you'll always have to kind of deal with? Like, because I know, Jana, like you said, you feel like you can't get past it. Is it something you ever get past? Or are you always kind of dealing with that trauma, even if you feel like you've gotten to a healed spot? Does that make sense? Oh, oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't say that I feel that I'm in a healed spot. I feel like I'm in a healing Healing. spot. And I, Mm -hmm. and I recognize that because there are, there are always, always, um, you can look at them as setbacks or you could look at them as opportunities to learn more about yourself and uncover another layer. And so I would say that, um, for me, there is this sense of, you know, most days I feel really good. And yes, do I think about those past memories? Of course, they still pop up. But I find what happens for me is, is that they don't have the emotional charge that mm-hmm. they used to. But then I do find that there are triggers, right? And also this idea of, again, the self-awareness of being aware of typically what my triggers are. You know, I still have triggers around the sense of like abandonment, right? That was a huge story for me in my youth, right? And all the way up until like my, you know, my early 20s. So, you know, like when you have these triggers, being aware of what they are and backing out of a situation for me is kind of what what works and and processing the feeling and understanding where it's coming from. And that yes, I still I still go to therapy and and when I do, I have a log of what's been bothering me, right? I'm a big proponent of therapy and I'm a big proponent of working your therapy. Right. There's mm-hmm. none of this, like, I, I mean, I'm sure you experience experiences too. Like you don't just go in and like, then they tell you and then you go, oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I feel good. It's like you are actually healing yourself and they are guiding you or offering you something. So I'm a big proponent of going into therapy and being very honest about what has been going on with me and talking through that. And then, you know, waiting for maybe like some insight, but I go in prepared and I leave knowing that I still have work to do when I leave that office. What are some of your biggest tips in the book, maybe around abandonment or past trauma that people that are listening can go, oh, I, I really want to you know, know more about that and, and dig more into that tip that you give? So the book is really a guidebook, right? I wrote it because I wrote it in the way I wrote it because I I felt so overwhelmed at the thought of healing and I didn't know where to start. And I was, you know, a grown adult with a successful career and I didn't know what to do or where to go or how to start. So what I wanted to do in this book is create a guidebook. And I broke down really what I think these tips you're talking about into like a three-step formula. Mm -hmm. And that is really like understanding the first one is acknowledging your trauma and the story that you've written about yourself because of it. And two is the second step is releasing, releasing your story. And this was like so deep for me, this level of healing, because it involved so much. It was like all of my old childhood stuff, all that inner child angst I had and rage and resentment and anger that I was never allowed to express when I was a child. So it was a lot of that. And it was the forgiveness component, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of like forgiving others, which is really, really hard, but also forgiving myself. Because if you're a trauma survivor, I mean, kind of the default of that is we somehow blame ourselves for things that happen. Mm-hmm. I did that, I know for sure. And and so I really 
get into some really good ways of how to do that and finding, you know, connection back with that inner child and like really understanding. We talked about this earlier, this compassion idea too, about like who you're trying to forgive. Um, And then the last step is releasing the story. And that's all about flipping the script on your story, you know, finding some kind of gratitude or a silver lining in what happened, which then dovetailed so perfectly for me into finding real self-love. I mean, if you're, if you come from a childhood of trauma, like I did, and like a lot of people out there listening, you're not, you're not incubated in unconditional love. You don't know what that is. You're Mm -hmm. not, you're not nurtured in self-esteem or self-confidence. So figuring out how to get on that path of really understanding how to love yourself and what that means is, you know, a big, a big, a big part of healing. Can I ask, and I don't know if you talk about this in the book or not, but um, do you touch on your relationship with your dad in the book? Yes. Well, I talk a lot about my relationship. Is he still with us? He is. Is he still in jail? No. Okay. Have you guys been able to talk or is there a relationship there? There, We had a moment um, after my mother died where we had some conversation about the past and I've explained how I felt and I saw him. It was interesting. I had, it was easier for me to find, find compassion and forgiveness from my father than it was for my mother. But there, I would say that there is a lot about him and a lot about our relationship and a lot about who he is and who I am and the toxicity of it all that I choose not to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. There's something about that incarcerated piece. Cause I had a, a former abuser that was in jail for eight plus years. And there was that weird, like, you know, he's there, but you, you can't have a relationship. It, it was a very strange thing. I remember writing him a letter and then going like, I have to stop this. Cause now this is going to be a weird trauma bonding with him now in like prison or something. So I, I, I never, well, I actually I did, but I never saw him after he got out, but I did talk to him on the phone very briefly, but I just remember that being just like awful as well. So I just wondered like how that conversation went. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. You talk about that, the, that kind of thick emotional, you know, realm around the, around incarceration, because Mm -hmm. I was so ashamed of that. Right. I would go through my you know, from, you know, 12 on and I, I wouldn't tell anybody, right. It was so embarrassing to me. And it, you know, it wasn't until years later that I found out that you know, like one in five people has had a parent incarcerated, but at the really? time, wow. yeah. Yeah. So at the time though, I didn't understand that, right. It's child mm-hmm. brain stuff and what you're going through, but this idea around what like incarceration and what that means. And I remember so many different moments of, you know, him trying to, to call the house And, you know, after a while, my mom didn't want to hear it. So she'd take the phone off the hook. Right. And I would think, oh my gosh, like, who's he going to call if he can't call us? It was like, even though I understood that he did something wrong, right? Something wrong to the effect of like he broke a law and he had to go to prison. There were still parts of me, even at a young age, that felt so much compassion for him. Like, I, and, and my dad was, you know, like this strong, physically strong man. And, and he was, you know, a hardworking businessman and he did, you know, he checked some boxes that were 
that were, you know, that had value and that had character and integrity. And then, then there were other things he did that were so, so outrageously wrong. Um, but this idea of him being in prison, I remember most vividly, though, when he got out. And I share this in the book that he showed up at our house and we hadn't seen him, you know, in a while. And my mother was so cold to him. And he needed money. Like he just needed money. He said, you know, I have nothing. Like I he just got, I have nothing. Right. And she, she didn't even really offer him anything. And I remember looking at him and feeling so sad. And like, I wished I had money to give him because to see my father in this position or like he had nothing was so striking to me because I'd always known my father as somebody who, you know, would go out in the world and he was very good at making money. He was very shrewd and conniving. And I, sometimes I even called him a hustler, but to see him in this, like this state of weakness was just so overwhelming to me. And I carried that around with me for a long time. And it really affected, like, as you can imagine my story about money, mm -hmm. right? Like when you're raised in a house like that, it's kind of interesting about your perspective on money and poverty and you know what money gets and so it's just yeah. really interesting what his incarceration did to me, you know, mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job, not a website, but a person in your community that would help you for free? Choose Express Employment Professionals and that's exactly what you'll get. Express Employment Professionals is the local jobs expert you can trust and they never charge a fee to help with your job search. Go to expresspros.com to find the office near you or download the Express Jobs app to get started. With a wide range of opportunities in a variety of industries from welding to sales, forklift operator to customer service, the team at Express is ready to help you or someone you know take the next career step. Whether you're looking for a contract job for the summer or a new full-time role, turn to Express Employment. Interviewing with Express Employment professionals can be as easy as a phone call, and one application with Express puts you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Don't go in your job search alone. Visit ExpressPros.com today. Get ready to simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Plus, with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices, you can keep everyone entertained while on the road. 
work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience for yourself and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicles and operation compatible device and vehicle require. I think it's interesting too, how you said you have a little bit more forgiveness for your, for your dad over your mom. And that's just, and I sit here and I'm like, even though your dad was, I know, even though Mm -hmm. your dad had his issues and you know, you have, you have a great, so what I know, you have a great dad, right? So at first, and then I look at mine, I'm kind of sitting here. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I, at first I was very angry, but as I got older, Mm -hmm. my resentment goes towards my mom. And, it, you know, same with you, where I think maybe it started it with your dad, but then shifted to your mom. Yeah. And then I know you well, have your resentments. And so it's interesting how we're, I don't, I don't know what, but what is that piece? Is it because we're angry that they're not the mother that we wanted or expected or, or should have had or deserved? Well, or, another perspective on that is I always blamed my mom growing up because she was obvious. But as I've gotten older, even though my dad is a great man and he's whatever, I can now see where he also went wrong. So I don't know if maybe it's, Mm, we just get older and we start to see and understand more Mm -hmm. um, to where I don't just blame her anymore. Well, I wondered that. Do you- That was like my switch with my dad. Yeah. I actually don't blame you. You I think they did the obvious, Yeah, you know? And so it was just so easy to just blame them. Easy to hate them. Yeah. Yeah. And then blame. And then like, but he was perfect or she was perfect, blah, blah, blah. But then you start seeing like, when you get to be an adult, you're like, wait a minute. Like- there yeah. were things, there's other things. It's not just them. Well, that was going to be my question is, is there any insight in this healing journey that you can share for specifically? I know like Jana and I feel that like we're very, I I found my dad, once I can identify that my dad was a broken kid that just didn't get loved and heard and seen. And for some reason, I, he is forever like eight years old in my mind now. And that's where he lives. And I was able to mm. move forward not easily, but like with a lot less heaviness, you well, know? Can we just go back to real fast? Remember when my dad came to the wind down? I was like, I, he will mm-hmm. come back in the backstage and he will start playing guitar. But he is the eight-year-old little boy mm-hmm. that didn't get the love from his dad that said, oh, yes. you sound so great on the guitar. But you he literally has to sit there and he has to play it. Mm-hmm. I know. So he will come in scene. after, he won't say we did good, but he'll come in and he'll pick up the guitar and he'll start It'll be about the him. guitar. It'll be about him because he needs that eight-year-old little boy needs my grandpa Martin's love. You know what I mean? You literally <laughs> like she she mapped it out, and then yeah. and then it was like and scene, yeah. and he entered stage right, and I was like, and there he is, okay. And now he's playing a song. Yeah, you know what I mean. Do you think that have you found anything that like maybe would be helpful for people that are in all of our situations where it's like, why do you think we can com- we can find the compassion maybe for the men? Say just because the three of us seem to have that in common, and not for our mothers. Is it that we are the same gender? We know the walk. We're doing the work. We feel like. I, I don't know what it is, but I am, I'm in that right now. I'm in that season of like trying to find this deep compassion and like coming up a little empty sometimes if I'm really honest right. with you. Yeah. Well, I will say from my perspective that it was more challenging because to me, I felt that my mother was supposed to be my protector and I put a lot of that on her and I don't know necessarily that that's fair overall. I mean, I just feel like in my situation, in my childhood, it was that it was very traditional in that 
My mother stayed home and my father went to work. Right. So I felt like, oh, my mother's supposed to be there. So in my mind, as it evolved, I felt like, oh, she's supposed to be, from what I understand or what I know, she's my mom. She's supposed to be protecting me. Right. And then this, I had this massive role reversal with her where I was taking care of her at a young age and not being cared for or mothered. So I think that I feel like for me, what happened was I felt so betrayed as if I had her on this pedestal of what I expected of her and she didn't fulfill what I needed of her. And then it just evolved into more and more resentment because then it was, you know, oh, now she's, now she's sick and now she's dying and now she's going to leave me with all this, you know, with more responsibility. And I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find any softness towards her. And so for me, I think that it was just, I was so caught up in being so angry at her because I really wanted her to protect me. I wanted her to, to, to do more, right? I felt like she could have done more. And so I held Mm -hmm. her to a different standard than I held my father. Yeah. The caretaking piece I I can relate to too, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, to kind of wrap up someone that's listening that obviously we all have traumas and, but what's one hopeful thing that you want someone to get from this book? I would say that number one thing I want people to know is that they're not alone in their pain or their suffering. I feel like so many of us kind of take it on the chin and we suppress the trauma and and our story. We don't talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. Then we go through life distracted, you know, family, this, this, this Mm -hmm. jobs, you know, zoom calls. I feel like I want people to know that they're not alone. You know, it's like 70% of us are going to experience trauma in our lifetime. That's a national council for mental well-being statistic. I bet it's higher. Right. So I want people to know they're not alone in that. And two, I want them to know that it is never too late to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of people too feel like, well, you know, I've been carrying this around for so long. I really don't know what else to do about it. Well, the truth is, is that, you know, nobody really does. It's overwhelming. So again, what I really want to do is create, take away that overwhelm and create a safe space where people feel seen and heard and a place where they can express what's happened to them. You know, there's a lot of places in this book with journal prompts and places to write. And I feel like that beginning of kind of like unearthing that is so important and valuable. And I will say that a big, a big thing I've heard a lot too from people, you know, who have already read the book is that they do all this stuff and they think, wow, you know, now I know what I want to talk to my therapist about. Mm-hmm. You know, therapy is expensive and it's hard to get into. And you're, then you get in there and you're like, I don't know if I trust this person. I don't know if I want to get into it. You dance around it. You talk about your relationships. You talk about your job, but you don't really get into the, you know, the deep wounds. Weeds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so beautiful that, you know, when you can like go into a therapist and say, wow, okay, it was really these two things that happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, when I was 12 and 20, that kind of had put me in this situation where, you know, I'm dating the same person over and over again, where I'm, you know, afraid to ask for a raise or you follow my dream or, you know, there's all kinds of limiting stories we tell ourselves. So it's like understanding what they are, I think is so hopeful, right? To have the self-awareness of what happened 
and that there's a space for you to heal it. Yep. I love that. Well, Karina, thank you so much for coming on everyone. Please, please, please go get her book. Um, it is called Arise Above the Story, Free Yourself from Past Trauma and Create the Life You Want because you do not deserve to be stuck there. You deserve to be free from it and heal and have a beautiful life. And Karina, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey there, mamas. Everyone knows how it goes. You're giving it your all to breastfeed or pump for your little one. But there are times when you might need a little extra help. That's where traditional medicinals Mother's Milk comes in. Mother's Milk is an organic herbal tea blend designed to support healthy lactation for breastfeeding and pumping moms. Plus, it's caffeine-free. Learn more about Mother's Milk at traditionalmedicinals.com forward slash Mother's Milk. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, I don't even know where to start with this because... It's the comfort, it's the style, it's the whole look. That's what I love about my Tacovas. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Shop by your local Tacovas store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's Tacovas, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by Brain MD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.